0: I remember when I lost my mind. going to come together. Ah! Ah! We know we're under attack. We know it. We're breaking the conditioning. Ah! Ah! We're coming for you, globalist. Ah! Coming for you. Coming for you. We know what you're doing. Ah, I'm sorry. Just get fired up when I think about what they're doing to us and how I want to resist them. And how easy they Does that are to make defeat. Me Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? <sighs> Excuse me. I think my testosterone's going up. This, is, this happens every time I start working out a lot again. And I uh, and swam two miles this morning pretty hard and uh, ate a big fat steak last night. It's full of hormones, testosterone on its own, right? So I'm
1: going a little bit excuse me. That's my
0: only advice. Welcome back to Michael and Us. I'm Will Sloan
1: here with Luke Savage. And this week we have a very special guest, our good friend
2: Alex Ross. Hi, everyone. Uh, happy to be here.
3: Those of you who listen to my other podcast, The Important Cinema Club, may remember Alex from our David Lynch episode. And he's also just a, a longtime friend of Luke and mine. That's right. We worked with Alex back at the Varsity,
1: although I think in the end he was there for a lot longer than... Uh, we were. He was practically an institution at uh, the U of T <laughs> oh, I don't know. student I think it's newspaper, but a but um, and in
3: Toronto in general, I think you can hardly <laughs> pass a street corner without hearing somebody toasting Alex.
1: Yeah, without uh, somebody sharing an anecdote of that lovable scamp, Mr. <laughs> Alex Ross. But the re- real reason we wanted to have Alex on is because he's somebody who's always taken an interest in conspiracy theories and who kind of lo- knows a lot about them. I'd say he has a
3: healthy concern about the globalists and the new world order. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, as... as, uh, Well, you you think a little bit differently. You see the world a bit differently. (laughs) Right, you know, I actually see the the real truth, uh, you know, as I basically continue to learn and continue to tell the truth to others behind enemy lines, fighting the information war uh, for the sake of our souls and for the sake of real human freedom.
3: So, as you may have been able to surmise, uh, we're devoting this episode to the work of Mr. Alex Jones and... Uh, We've chosen it this week because this last week has really been kind of the twilight of the loudmouths, hasn't it? I mean... Not only did we lose uh, Bill O'Reilly, but Alex Jones is currently seeing his empire crumble from around him at this custody trial. That's right. He's in the middle of divorce proceedings with, uh, I guess, his wife of, what, 16 or
1: 17 years Mm -hmm. and uh, or longer even. And rather hilariously, his defense apparently is that he uh, he's like a performance artist. So all this crazy stuff, he says, is just kind of made up. Uh, I have my doubts, I have to say.
3: Well, I mean, there there is a tongue-in-cheek element to him. Maybe I'll just, I'll just get into this by saying this night really took a lot out of me. I don't like <laughs> Alex Jones. I've never been interested in Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones is somebody who I, I feel like I ought to be interested in because, you know, I love stupid right-wing bullshit. But there's something about Alex Jones. He always struck me as somebody who was just like, such a transparent snake oil salesman, somebody who is like, like almost too perfect a caricature of certain tendencies on the right. Like somebody somebody like Dinesh D'Souza is funnier to me because he's, he's a little more real. See, what you just said, you don't like Alex Jones is precisely what I like
1: about him. Yeah. Is that he's, He's a huckster, but he's kind of like, um, there's something Brechtian about him. You know, he he breaks the fourth wall of hucksterism and renders it bare for all to see. So he goes on uh. these obscene rants about the New World Order, and then just like, without batting an eyelid segues, and like, now folks, you buy some of my male vitality powder, you get it here, uh, never seen it for this price on any other website. You, you know, like, it's so transparent, and I think that's uh, like transcendently funny that's that's
3: funny in theory but I mean for the same reason that I don't enjoy pro wrestling even though it too has so many elements in it that I ought to find hilarious that's true pro
1: wrestling is kind of like um, Alex Jones no there's a moment uh, Will and I and well Will and Alex and I all watch a lot of bad shit and, and laugh at it uh, because we're sad and we like to feel superior, but um, there's always a moment when you could tell like something in Will is snapped, and it's <laughs> always at the precise moment where he's no longer capable of using irony as a defense. So there's a moment where he st- or he stops saying like this is pretty good, I like it, and he starts just burying his head at his hands and like shaking it and all the rest of it.
2: And, and the other way that you can tell that uh, Will is losing it is he actually has this tell where he starts putting his fingers on his temple and kind of slowly, like, rubbing him. And th- that was the, point. At the By the time we had, I think we're in our third hour of watching Alex Jones. Bullshit. <laughs> Alex, Will, Will yeah. was just totally just sunk
3: in the chair. He just couldn't stand it anymore. First of all, Alex Jones is a guy, like, in real life, is somebody who I would not want to hang out with. Well, he's kind of just exhausting. This, this kind boring. of, you know... I don't, I don't want to say toxic masculinity because that term is so overused, but, but there's something about him. Just this kind of like big alpha male guy already. He's the kind of guy I don't like to spend time with. He's like,
1: he. Yeah, he he's like if the Hamburglar was like a
3: gun toting Southern Baptist with a Coke problem. Yeah. And then to add on top of it, the fact that he is a, a despicable man, like he's a, he's a Sandy Hook truther. I mean, there's nothing more despicable than that, I think. So
1: guys,
2: what did we watch this week? We watched a lot of stuff. Well, we watched uh, we watched was his uh, two thousand and nine two thousand and ten documentary, uh, the Obama Deception, and uh, which I recommended because uh, I've seen a few of his documentaries before, uh, including his um, Bohemian Grove documentary. And the reason I recommended that one is that I feel like that's the one that really shot him into the mainstream. So while I think that uh, his work on Bohemian Grove in like late nineties, early two thousands, I think while that brought him a lot of attention and sort of made this kind of fun cultural figure. I think it was during the Obama years that he really became much more prominent and became just much more of a fixation in the public consciousness. And I think part of that is due to this documentary, The Obama Deception, but also because I think Glenn Beck basically stole his entire shtick on his Fox News show from alex jones glenn
1: beck also did, did that sort of uh because alex jones does have this like you know caricatured like hyper masculinity but then he also he has this way of like becoming very fey and affected and doing these um doing these stupid little voices and stuff and getting yeah. overly emotional and like crying and glenn mm. beck did all that shit as well yeah
3: and the other thing glenn he- beck's more of a brainiac though right like he kind of <laughs> let, lo- wants to present himself as much more of an intellectual or maybe, maybe he does now that he writes for like the National Review. And he's and hanging stuff. out with Samantha B. A- and like he, but on his old show. So, uh, what you, uh, just
1: heard there was audio of the fire alarm going off in my building. And, uh, once again, it's another case of the elite,
3: the globalists. They're always trying to shut us down, trying to shut us down, but you cannot defeat the human spirit.
1: Yeah, that, that actually is our working theory. It's very suspicious that we were in the midst of recording this podcast and, uh, and that happened. So, just asking questions, folks. But I guess we'll we'll carry on and hope. Everyone's the- trying to shut us down.
3: Google's trying to shut us down. Facebook's trying to shut us down. But you cannot shut down the
1: truth. Thanks for that. Actually, that's the first time I ever heard Will do an Alex Jones impression. It's the and first time I've a- ever it's accepted like, an Alex like, Jones impression.
3: I mean, he's the easiest person. It's to like do having him. Show. It's like having him here. Um, so we were talking do You want to hear some of my other impressions? Hi, yeah, like, hey, it's Kerry Grant over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <sir-y, Bobby. laughs> You dirty rat, you're the one who killed my brother. That's Jimmy King. <laughs>
1: Can you do an Adam West impression?
3: Oh, I I'm, yeah I'm sure
1: uh, you have too much reverence <laughs> for him to try yeah, to say. <laughs> Wow! So we've really how dare you <laughs> we we've really lost the plot here. The juices were flowing. What well, we got it. Well, well, We're, we're talking, talking about Glenn. Beck about Glenn we're talking about the similarities. We're talking about how Glenn
2: Beck stole uh, his fire. Yeah, and the, and the only innovation that Glenn Beck brought to the show, uh, his show, basically doing the whole thing where he, all the free word association on the on the blackboard, you know, basically where he's putting up different words and phrases. But I mean, I think Alex Jones even came out and said that Glenn Beck actually stole right his mm. his whole right. stick.
1: Well, one thing that's really striking when you consume Alex Jones properly, that is through these kind of documentaries where we watched, we sat down and we we watched like parts of two episodes of his shows. The shows are like three hours long. One thing that doesn't come through when you see those really nicely um, curated Vice compilations or the YouTube compilations where he's ranting is just how fucking boring Alex Jones is. Like... He sits there and, you know, you're talking about Glenn Beck and free association. He's just kind of, he just sits there kind of free associating. He has no kind of script or organization for anything. And unless he's getting angry, it's not entertaining at all.
3: And I mean, I haven't seen much of his show, but the ones we saw were both from the last week when he's been kind of under fire not only from the the legal system but also from his former fans on youtube and on facebook who are calling him a sellout for capitulating to trump or something so well, at least what we saw in these shows so much of it was about like self-justification and self-pitying and being like i'm not no listen to me folks i am not president trump's butt boy i am still <laughs> asking questions trump doesn't mean anything to me what means something to me is So we've really really opened the floodgates here. (laughs) What matters to me is if his agenda about going after the globalists continues. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and and we should say the butt boy thing is an actual quote. Yeah, I should say it.
3: Has his show always just been him talking about how great he is? I think so. we also watched this documentary
2: that John Ronson did on alex jones uh in late 90s uh which came out in 2001 where you sort of see infowars.com branding he's bragging about you know he and and his girlfriend at the time now his ex-wife uh bragging about just the reach that he has at the age of 26 well she's
1: a part of his organization too she's like sort of digital editor
2: or the producer or webmaster something. i think yeah. that's what they say and
3: uh what's the uh jonathan ronson documentary called uh secret rulers of the world Alex is a syndicated talk show host from Austin, Texas. He broadcasts from his bedroom down an ISDN line to eight million listeners. Alex believes that the shadowy elite at Bohemian Grove are the puppet masters who control the world's governments, banks, the media, and the United Nations.
0: And you say, well, people aren't going to accept that. Oh, well, how could the Aztecs accept sacrificing 10,000 people on some holidays, eating their children's hearts? This is all real. And we see decadent empires in their final stages of corruption as they become insane throughout history, engaging in mass murder when it doesn't even help their final cause.
2: Well, Alex, at 26 years old, is now syndicated to over 40 commercial markets, so he's huge. Not to mention that he's on shortwave and the internet. He's been number one on AOL you know, numerous times. Last year, he won Best of Austin, which is a big honor in the city. Yeah, and it was a documentary series that John Ronson produced, uh, I think for ITV or Channel 4, in 2001. And he came up with a book in the same year called uh, Them adventures with extremists and actually that's where i first encountered alex jones was reading john ronson's book i didn't see the documentary series until later and i just thought you know he's very strange and then eventually i saw the waking life film where he does make uh, an actual brief cameo appearance. Uh, yeah, first I
1: want to talk about that specifically. That clip later. So that's it,
3: something perhaps to know is that he, uh, Alex Jones was friends with Richard Linklater. That's right. Um, and I think they're still made, friends. I think actually. they're still
1: friends, and he made mm. a few appearances in his in his movies. But we'll get to that later. So the John Ronson documentary was. Like, Alex Jones made a documentary about this, his attempt to get into the Bohemian Grove, which he believes is kind of a, a secret meeting of the globalist cabal, where they perform weird pagan rituals. Kind and of the worship pizza an, gates of
3: its day. Yeah, they
1: worship an owl. So, John Ronson basically filmed Alex Jones filming his documentary Um, Which, you know, also is incredibly boring to watch because it's just this ludicrous buildup for, like, nothing. Like, they get in there. yeah, And what Alex Jones thinks is a pagan conspiracy is just a bunch of rich people acting like idiots, basically.
3: Yeah, so, like, it's about an hour long, and most of it is just alex jones and his wife and some other guy some you know, other guy mike, who's, mike Hansen who's his old videographer who's, who's just like a yeah. beta alex jones which is pretty funny and they're just sitting in a motel and they're kind of like brainstorming and coming up with their schemes about how to infiltrate uh whatever this thing is what's it called again bohemian grove yeah and and basically their plan is okay well we'll just run through the bushes and and they're dress. like
1: we're gonna dress preppy and, and they do we and see and their idea their
3: idea of dressing preppy is to wear slacks and a polo we see them rehearsing their
1: like what their conversation's going to be so they blend in so they're going to have some verbal camouflage so the globalists think they're part of them and alex jones is saying to the other guy like um I, what what do you think are the most exciting developments in nanotechnology these days we have the <laughs> processors down to the molecular level subatomic level now and, and the other guy can't improvise the other guy, guy just doesn't know how to improvise and
0: we're just gonna walk normally <laughs> as we would calmly la alone there's me guys sitting there and we're you know, we're fat cats, so let's go ahead. But uh, seriously, David, as fast as microprocessors are starting to move, it's getting down to a molecular level. The question is, at what level will just the actual basics of science stop us from making these these systems smaller? And I'm, it's the entire nanotechnology revolution that I find to be most dynamic. I agree. Did <laughs> you like that? Yeah. What That's what we say. did last time. You're trying to say, I agree. I don't know. It's just going to be natural when we do it. I'm not going to.
3: So it's yeah, just... Yeah. A- mind numbingly boring because it's just like as I say I hate spending time with Alex Jones and this is just like being trapped in a motel with a room with him while he is self-aggrandizing and it's you know it's like he's coming up with this Mission Impossible scheme that is like might as well be written on a napkin it's so fucking flimsy (laughs) well the thing is because the John Ronson documentary I think you get kind of the the best of
2: actually because I've seen the whole actual Alex Jones documentary all in one hour and a half of it and it's even worse for the first 75 minutes it's basically just them in that hotel room, mm-hmm. just constantly riffing with each other, you know, talking about the conspiracist plans. You know, it's Alex Jones aggrandizing himself. You know, he goes on about how oh, it's a, well, it's not a, it's not a right thing, it's not a left thing. You know, I'm just standing up against the elites. It's his mythology, and you even see uh, a bit more of the footage of them in the Grove, where they're claiming that they're being tailed by security personnel, and all this other weird stuff is happening. It's clearly not happening, and uh yeah, it's just mm-hmm. um, with Alex Jones, you're right. It's just this constant boring you know self-aggrandizing kind of monologue that he engages in and i think it's just gotten worse over the last 16 years
3: the thing about the bohemian growth like the fact of it the fact that all of these Mm. rich people i mean apparently you know ex-presidents are involved in this secret society you know kissinger rockefellers the fact that they all get together in the woods and do this ritual where they all wear robes and they sacrifice an owl and they read some stupid lines like that fact alone is hilarious and is already damning enough. I mean, it just goes to show that like these fucking dumb, rich, powerful people, yeah. you know, need these stupid rituals to feel good about themselves. But then that's not what Alex Jones thinks is bad about it. Alex Jones thinks he's f- angry that it's pagan. Yeah. And that, we're a Christian nation. A Christian it's, Christian Luciferian. Goes, it's Luciferian. It's Luciferian. If Christians found out that they're out there worshiping owls, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and the documentary has an interview with Harry Shearer from spinal tap and the Simpsons who apparently attended one year and he totally gets it. Yeah. He says to John Ronson, you know, it's, it's a secret society, but it's no more secret than, you know, the one I joined in college is like, yeah, U of T, we had Trinity College. Yeah. yeah, the
2: Episcopan.
3: That's the college that all the rich kids went the to. The Upper Canada College people. Yeah. yeah, and if they went to have dinner at the dining hall, they had to wear a big robe. Yeah, yeah. so and, you're like Oxbridge kind yeah. of. Yeah, and that's style. stupid and hilarious. Yeah, yeah no,
1: like the lesson here is that rich people are really tacky and have terrible taste and like j- rich people just suck. Um, but, yeah. And it's amazing the footage that he shows us from inside the Grove that's supposed to be so terrible. scandalizing... It just, it doesn't
3: look like anything. I mean, it made me think of, like, if you go to, you know, Universal Studios yeah, the theme park and you see, like, Beetlejuice's Jungle Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but, okay, but so as boring as the Bohemian Grove thing was, the Obama deception, it was like... We, a few episodes ago, we did that Steve Bannon, I think it was called Generation Zero, mm-hmm. the second of two Steve Bannon films we've done, which had all these kind of elaborate, fin- you know labyrinthine financial conspiracies and stuff. And this was like a down market version of that. <laughs> yeah. So we're like... How yes, low can we go? This podcast is like Inception. <laughs> we're just sinking into deeper levels of consciousness of like, you know, right wing kitsch. I mean... I couldn't really follow what was... It had some good hotel stuff. Like, there was a funny thing where he he went to a hotel where members of the Bilderberg group... We're coming in, in 48 hours, and then he just talks for, like, 10 minutes into a camera, like, in his hotel room with a single light on to make it look like something sketchy. He's just in a Marriott hotel.
2: And, like, and I should point out that he's actually, the entire time, he's wearing a branded Infowars.com t-shirt <laughs> with some sort of quote, I think, from himself on the back. Yeah. Which I think just shows, like, just with Alex Jones, how it's all just a self-branding exercise, yeah. right? Everything is just an excuse to extend the Infowars and the Alex Jones brand. And I mean, you know, and then this spills out into another scene where basically he's meeting, I guess, his fans to just yell at these global elites while they're going into the hotel.
3: So um, the movie is kind of, it's like hypernormalization or <laughs> or uh, or Generation Zero. It has that pretense of being a, a historical, the last 50 years and how it led to this moment Big summing up, but with a conspiracy theory twist to it. But it also has a bit of a Michael Moore dimension where it's like he's this guy who's going out and he's going to confront the elites. You know, he's going to ambush people. The thesis, (laughs) to the extent that the film has a thesis, is basically that George W. Bush, Obama, Bill Clinton, they're just useful idiots, and they're puppets for this shadowy global elite right. that are really pulling the strings. And the Bilderberg Group, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah Bilderberg Group. Like, uh, they're the the real power, and, like, every year they meet and have this big convention. Like, Bill, Bill Clinton's involved. I guess he's ascended to being the elite now. Yeah, they there's that whole anymore.
2: sequence where basically it's literally, I think, just for 10 or 15 minutes, just different members... Of the Obama administration. Alan Greenspan. You know, Hillary Clinton, who yeah. was Obama's secretary of state. And, Timothy Geithner.
3: And, and they all and, meet and they decide what's going to be the global policy and who's going to be our useful idiot that'll be our puppet. So we see Alex Jones. He's like, all right, we're going to go over and we're gonna infiltrate this one. We're going to confront it. And he goes over. But, like, in these documentaries, he's constantly promising that there's going to be this great big confrontation It's going to lead somewhere. But inevitably, it's just Alex Jones with a bullhorn in front of some gated area yelling into a bullhorn. It never leads to anything.
0: And we're going to be out here for the next three days while you try to chart the future of our destiny. We're taking our destiny back! You're not our gods or our masters! We witnessed at least seven convoys of armed secret service entering the Westfield's Marriott and internal sources confirmed that both candidates did attend at least one meeting
2: inside the conference. I think some of the characters he gathers <laughs> in this documentary are really interesting. Like that, oh, the uh, Talking Heads. Yeah, uh, like uh, like that uh, trends <laughs> expert George Salente. He looks like, as you pointed out, like he's standing in a haunted mansion. A- everything <laughs> like with like him
1: that, looks like a Tim and
3: Eric sketch.
0: Gerald Salente is recognized as one of the world's foremost trends forecasters and is the founder of the Trends Research Institute.
3: People that are knowledgeable know
2: that the fight that this country has been waging since its inception is for the central bankers not to take over the country and that's why people like Andrew Jackson were elected.
1: Or then there's yeah. that other guy that that
3: like legitimately looks like a pedophile.
2: Oh, uh, uh what was the, he had idiot ridiculous name too? It was something like Zebsley Trapster. Or and it's like
3: respected author and you see the covers of two of his books and they're like these awfully photoshopped like they look like books that would come out of whatever the press that would publish David Irving would be <laughs> yeah, or, just, or just, Jim yeah. Goad or something like that. <laughs> just really fringe shit. <laughs> that guy who was like in the haunted house it seemed. He's apparently like the head of the Center for Trend Forecasting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Horoscopes, so, so I think basically. Trends like Institute, and basically, yeah. you know, <laughs> these are like the of all the documentaries we've done on this show. These are the worst interviewees we've ever had. They're yeah. not even like your standard Charles Krauthammer type hack. <laughs> they are they are the absolute dregs.
2: Or, or the guy, um, he has that rap star, uh, KRS. Oh, that guy's amazing. He's
3: amazing, actually. Uh, some
2: of his riffs are just absolutely
3: incredible. Well, there's one part where he says, like, there's a billion people on this planet. One of them can make a difference. It's like, there are seven billion people on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you might be the one.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll drop some of that in so you guys yeah. can hear.
0: There's a billion people on the planet. It only take one to change it. Are you the one? There may be everybody in your classroom bugging out. Your whole school may be on fire with kids wild and bringing guns. But are you the one? Nature has a way of abundance. Nature puts out a lot of stuff looking for the one. So if you're going to go along with the trend of let's just kill each other, let's disrespect each other, then you're part of nature's plan as well to be part of just the the, the the excess but if you think more of yourself than just being the excess you'll do more for yourself are you the one
1: uh he's he's a lot of fun although he has nothing really to do with the uh i think his
2: burger king metaphor is actually pretty good you know because he <laughs> you know first you go to burger king and
3: Ber- get Berger- burger king
1: is
2: the u.s federal government
3: yeah exactly i uh, isn't is was he the one who said that or was it that no, it was him there was somebody else who was professor riff from public enemy from public enemy yeah oh the biggest talking head in the movie though is uh the former governor jesse ventura who we see on willie nelson's tour bus with willie nelson yeah which is really sad yeah
1: you know, I actually just, while we were talking here, logged on to the InfoWars store, and I just think, like, we have to read some of the names of some sure. of these products and I'll tell you how much they cost, because holy shit, like, we were talking before- I've been before suffering from <laughs> erectile
3: dysfunction. Is there anything I can buy? Oh, uh, man, to... buddy. Uh,
1: <laughs> we were talking before about how he's such a transparent huckster, and I mean, listen to this shit. So, uh, Survival Shield X2 Nascent Iodine, you can get a little bit of that. Uh, you can get Brain Force Powder- uh, super male vitality—that's out of stock. Oh, we've got a
2: colloidal silver, and what's great about that is if you drink the colloidal silver, you'll actually turn your skin blue. Oh, that's oh, a cool. great! Great piece of uh, alternative super, medicine. Super super
1: female vitality is twenty five percent off. So that was sixty nine ninety five. It's now forty four ninety six. There's also he has a section in the site that's called um, Alexa Pure, and so it's like Alex Jones branded product, and they're all like water filtration. I don't know what this does, but Alexa Pure Breeze Micro Negative Ion Generator um fluoride free toothpaste like these are all things you can buy and i assume like because infowars uh i mean it's just a youtube channel right it doesn't it's not on a network so i assume this is the main way he makes money yeah so one way of looking at this is that it really is just about creating like a mass audience to sell people these shitty products you can think of it as like a secular version of televangelism or something exactly. right like you have some guy shout at people for hours every single week And tell them that the rapture is coming and that they need to prepare, so they need to buy, like, you know, uh, industrial sized things of rice or whatever that he just happens to have. Um, Alex Jones just does the same thing, except he tells people that, you know, that, like, lizard people are putting cultural Marxism in the fluoride, so you better brush your teeth with this thing that I just happened to have for sale and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. I I feel like, you know, all joking aside, the best reading of Alex Jones is the most cynical one. I mean, he may be. He probably is crazy, you Mm -hmm. know, but like, I think it's pretty obvious what he's, what he's doing. I did know a guy who took Alex Jones 100% seriously once. Really? Yeah. My only experience ever with like a full on conspiracy person in the flesh was back when I worked at this restaurant in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, there was a guy who was a cook in the same kitchen and Apart from, like, video games, his life was basically conspiracy culture. And he took it very seriously. Hmm. Um, And he was fascinating to talk to, not because it was fun. It was very frustrating, actually, for obvious reasons. But, I mean, I I do think I understand conspiracy culture a lot better from talking to this guy. Every day he would come in with some, like, different thing. It was always, like, you know, the New World Order, the North American Union, or 9-11 Truth. But... You know, it was, it it was interesting to me because a lot of it, it was a fusion of kind of, you know, things like very loosely drawn from both the left and the right. What I learned is that it taps into like this kind of conspiracy stuff that Alex Jones is so good at taps into a really deep current. I don't know in the in the kind of um, collective unconscious. There's pe- people in in societies where there's like less and less social cohesion, where people are more and more atomized when they work these like shitty degrading jobs, when they don't get meaning from kind of the traditional sources like you know effort people, you know, very few people go to church anymore. You know, nationalism has kind of declined uh, in the face of, uh, you know, globalism. Mm. You know, many people anyway, I think don't feel like much of an attachment to, you know, to their societies. And so something has to fill the void. And, uh, you know, this kind of stuff is one way of doing that.
3: Well, we talked a little bit about his friendship with Richard Linklater, uh, and he's been in a couple of Linklater's films. You and I, Luke, uh, recently watched Slacker. Yeah, great uh, film. Which we never seen before, and I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, but there's something that movie... Cap- it, like it kind of captures the milieu from which Alex Jones emerged this kind of like 90s end of history yeah it's the end of history this is all anything's gonna be yeah. the, the economy is booming and a, a lot of people think the Republicans and the Democrats are basically two sides of the same coin not not wrong Yeah. Um, and yeah I mean if you haven't seen Slacker
1: it's the first Richard Linklater film I think it was made for just about $20,000 or something and it's just you know young people in kind of i guess austin texas or houston is it houston or austin it's It's austin Austin. Austin. um in you know the early 90s what was going on at the time i guess it's the lead up to the 1992 presidential election we see a a ron paul for president libertarian party bus Mm. at one point you know it's 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 quite fascinating actually because it's the intersection of the more liberal milieu of like urban texas and then you know just the south or what we think of as the south And it's, yeah, these young people that are, you know, have, like, basically nothing to do, they don't have a lot of money, but they are somewhat educated, and there are some great characters in this film. There's one guy who's even, like, a proto-Alex Jones figure, who sits Mm -hmm. in his... His room, collecting, you know, he he intercepts kind of pirate radio and pirate video broadcasts and sends them out himself. He has all these tapes. And there's that guy that um, do you remember? There's that character. There's like a hundred characters in this movie. um That she walks into the bookstore and she's accosted by that guy who's really into JFK conspiracies and he won't stop bombarding her and he's giving her all these book recommendations. And he's like, if you like
3: this one, you like this one, and he keeps yeah. piling it up and.
1: I think that film very much captured like that is kind well, it of kind the captures audience for this, this. This
3: feeling of this time where you know you're told that this is the end of history and this is as good as it's ever going to be, yeah. but And it, yet, but and it, it still doesn't sucks. offer you anything. It still yeah. sucks.
1: And every and in that movie too, like the actual environment, the physical environment they're in is such a dispiriting and soul sucking one. It's yeah. just this, just I feel you, you said towards the end of the film when you're we watching it, like it's just one giant strip mall, like yeah. the entire like it's just this kind of it's this
3: it's this late capitalist tundra of just. Garbage, right. And the fact that this is the best it's ever going to be just goes to show you that the game is rigged. And so you've got to figure out how do we react to this? And so you got militias at this time and you got conspiracy people like Alex Jones just kind of out of this dissatisfaction for the way things were. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I haven't I haven't seen Slacker, but uh, we got to watch it. But um, the thing is, what's also even sadder is the fact that, I mean, one of the ideas that Alex Jones promotes, I mean, I think he really successfully commercialize them but they were circulating in underground circles like since the 60s and the 50s mm-hmm. um actually one really good book that i've read uh written by a political scientist named michael barkin if you ever want to sort of get an academic reading of conspiracy especially its association with right-wing movements um there's a book by michael barkin called a culture of conspiracy and he actually really delves into a lot of the origins of these because i was really interested in sort of finding out well where did a lot of this come from and you find it that i mean people like alex jones i mean he really just you know, he's just taken from just this, basically this vast swath of conspiracy culture that uh, really circulated in the underground with people believing, you know, the New World Order. I mean, he didn't sort of come up with that phrase. That was around for a long time. And he just found a way to successfully mainstream it, really, just to make it more palatable to people and to have them talk about it and really engage with it in in this way. So it's like, I think it makes it sadder because, I mean, it's not even just that, you know, he's sort of riffing on these things that he's made up. They're just these things that have actually permeated underground in American culture for a long time as part of its consciousness. I mean, black helicopters, FEMA camps, I mean, these are not new uh-huh. conspiracies. These have actually been around for 50, 60 years, which is actually quite terrifying yeah. if you think about that we're just keep constantly returning to these themes which have been talked about and rehashed over and over again just by different right-wing extremist groups. Well, and, you know, there's a, a real undercurrent, like like there's
1: explosive anti-semitism just lingering <laughs> yes. right yeah. behind everything and exactly. the obama deception yeah like the the camera is is really fixated on alan greenspan and on henry <laughs> uh, kissinger timothy Timothy Geithner. Timothy Geithner. Uh-huh. it's really like it's just one Glo- global banking conspiracy is uh you know is obviously a very
3: old current and a very sinister one but you know i mean forget the conspiracy theories i mean what one of alex jones's successes has been able to just like take conventional wisdom and package it as if it were some grand revelation i mean it's it's no shock to find out that Walter street and the government are right. working together right. uh, as you mentioned most of the movie is just him showing you news footage From of Al- Alan Greenspan news. yeah. on CNN yeah. saying... With a yeah. weird Windows Media Player skin, they put on a <laughs> yeah. as, as you pointed out, Will,
2: <laughs> that basically somebody would put on like an SNL video to prevent a copyright claim. Yeah, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> which And the thing is that, yeah, and, and not only that, it's also very self-contradictory, right? So we have one talking head, uh, that weird Lyndon LaRouche guy that uh, we were talking about earlier, who's like... You know, oh, yeah, like, um, he's basically saying, well, Kennedy was the last legitimate president. You know, they started this process in the 60s. But then we find out, no, it all started with the Federal Reserve and the Woodrow Wilson administration in 1913. And we find, no, no, it started
3: in the 1930s
2: with liberal technocracy. And it just, it's constantly shifting arbitrarily.
3: Yeah, and also the whole thesis of the movie that Obama is just an empty suit and... Uh, It's just business as usual with these globalists running anything. But then it comes to the conclusion that actually they're getting more and more power and eventually it's going to become Nazi Germany. Like, is it the status quo? It's going to become
1: Nazi Germany. It's going to become Mao's China and it's going to become the Soviet Union all at once.
3: Which which just contradicts the idea that this is just like, you know, the same as it ever was and will always be. I think, um,
1: going back to Link Letter, I think Alex Jones's appearance in Waking Life is kind of a throwback to an earlier Alex Jones um, that it seems to me that it, in his early work, he was less kind of explicitly attached to right-wing idioms. Like, uh, if we listen to that, uh, his appearance in Waking Life... It's much more generalized. Like, it's just this kind Which is why Linklater would include mm-hmm. it in a film like that. He was also very
3: anti-Bush for
1: all of Bush's That's right, time. yeah. <laughs> you know, he kind of sounds like the guy in uh, in Network, you know? Uh-huh. In in that clip, anyway. Yeah. The posture and the affect is this this voice that's standing up at, above it all, you know, as the wind whips against his face, like, speaking truth and demanding that the light of human freedom not be extinguished and all, all that kind of stuff, which, like... There's nothing you know right or left about that it's just it's just empty demagogy basically yeah. it's just like ideologically free-form demagogy city hall Death and
0: taxes don't talk about politics or religion this is all the equivalent of enemy propaganda rolling across the picket line lay down gi lay down gi we saw it all through the 20th century and now in the 21st century it's time to stand up and realize that we should not allow ourselves to be crammed into this rat maze We should not submit to dehumanization. I don't know about you, but I'm concerned with what's happening in this world. I'm concerned with the structure. I'm concerned with the systems of control, those that control my life and those that seek to control it even more. I want freedom. That's what I want, and that's what you should want. It's up to each and every one of us to turn loose of just some of the greed, the hatred, the envy, and, yes, the insecurities, because that is the central mode of control. Make us feel pathetic, small so we'll willingly give up our sovereignty, our liberty, our destiny. We have got to realize that we're being conditioned on a mass scale. Start challenging this corporate slave state. The 21st century is going to be a new century, not the century of slavery, not the century of lies and issues with no significance, and classism and statism and all the rest of the modes of control. It's going to be the age of humankind standing up for something pure and something right What a bunch of garbage, liberal, Democrat, conservative, Republican. It's all there to control you, two sides of the same coin. Two management teams bidding for control, the CEO job of Slavery Incorporated. The truth is out there in front of you, but they lay out this buffet of lies. I'm sick of it, and I'm not going to take a bite out of it. Do you got me? Resistance is not futile. We're going to win this thing. Humankind is too good. We're not a bunch of underachievers. We're going to stand up and we're going to be human beings. We're going to get fired up about the real things, the things that matter, creativity and the dynamic human spirit that refuses to submit. Well, that's it. That's all I got to say. Continue in your court.
1: And I think like as time has gone on he's gotten you know he's gotten more obviously right wing and that's who his that's who his audience is and I mean now what's really funny with Trump is that He's basically just like any like generic Fox News broadcaster now in his relationship with, with Trump and you know on the store uh, on, on the Infowars store you can buy Trump shirts now and things
3: like nine ninety five. Folks, you gotta respect the dignity of the office. It's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard job. Uh,
2: actually, there's this whole video that we watched where he's like, well, you know, Trump's um, Trump's not flip flopping. He's negotiating. Yeah. <laughs> he's negotiating and uh, that's what he's doing he's getting you know uh, we disagree on the healthcare policy he shouldn't be attacking the Freedom Caucus but he's negotiating and you're right he's just like any other Fox and yeah. Friends it's funny because you know what, you know, what's
1: really funny is that Alex Jones sounds now sounds like what liberals used to sound like when they're talking about Obama it's like, <laughs> is like like he's actually just playing like 35 dimensional chess yeah. and like yeah. just give him time he knows what he's doing and now li- for some and now liberals sound like Alex Jones like pre-election where they're talking about like it's now like an exception acceptable opinion to be like like we're not just complaining about Bernie bros anymore now the Bernie bros are like actual Russian agents and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that uh, now there's this elaborate like global like it was really funny on the Syria attack where liberals were split between uh, the lanyard liberal like talking head brigade was split between celebrating the the dignity with which Trump carried out this projection of American power and then speculating that it was actually like a false flag because the Russians wouldn't like it but he was actually just doing that to throw everyone off the scent because he's really a Putin
2: plant. (laughs) Well I think I think what it is is just that what you have is the building of an alternative knowledge system with its own epistemology its own sort of idea of what the truth is, and I think, I think for a lot of liberal commentators, like some of these people we're talking about, um, like I think conspiracy theory can sort of come into two forms. One, there's just this complete. You know, ideological vacuum. People don't believe in anything anymore. You know, as as you pointed out with Slacker. But I think the other way that it can come in is if there's just a deep disappointment. You know, and what you do is rather than sort of being disappointed and going, on, "Well, you know, I believe that Hillary Clinton was going to win," they construct this whole alternative reality where Hillary's 45. Uh, the only way she was defeated, she's the most qualified candidate, so the only way that she could be defeated is basically through the concerted effort of Russia and Comey, and just becomes this elaborate conspiracy. Well, it's like,
1: because for them, just admitting that, no, like, you know, she ran a bad campaign, and, like, she lost the the most winnable election in modern American history, for them to concede that, you know, it'd be like asking somebody to revise, like, what they thought, like, the number two, like, two-ness was. Mm -hmm. Like, it's asking someone to revise, like, something really, like, essential and, like, deep structure about their beliefs, and they'd rather, and, like, they can't do that, so they have to invent this new this new narrative that explains it,
2: yeah, and I think that's generally you know what happens is just that you have this doubling down, and essentially I think as the more evidence piles up uh, that proves that they're wrong, I think actually unfortunately the reality is they won't you know sort of go away from this and go well you know this is completely wrong no it reinforces it just reinforces they will just actually become more attached to these ideas which is actually terrifying
1: that's what i used to find with this this fellow at the restaurant um was that he would make a claim that i just like knew was patently false about something um and then he would source it to something and then i'd bring him like well here this is like an actual newspaper and you can see that the figure you're citing is just wrong or whatever and then he'd be like Oh, no, like, because that's owned by so-and-so. So, So I'd be like, okay, well, I'll go with this. So, I'll bring him a newspaper that's owned by somebody else that has the same, you know, so it's, like, independently verified in Mm. two ways. And instead of him being like, oh, yeah, maybe that's true, it would just broaden the conspiracy. So, Mm. you'd get some, like, trivial little issue, and it would turn out that, like, every single media organization in the country and in the United States and, like, every corporation, every company was actually behind whatever the thing was, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, and, and, yeah.
2: and what it leads to is this kind of flowchart conspiracism, which I think we see in the Obama deception, where you just have all these different groups, some of which have totally different agendas or ideas, just being all mixed together because everybody becomes part of the conspiracy. And then what happens is that everybody who isn't automatically sort of with the conspiracy theorist also gets included as part of the, the, the conspiracy, right? That they're actually implicated in promoting Um, and what these groups become is like quite paranoid. And I think this is actually what we're seeing right now in these sort of Russia Trump circles is that now you have even the people who were agreeing with each other and promoting this conspiracy now actually accusing each other in real time Mm. right now of actually. I like that
1: Louise (laughs) Mensch is now accusing like people of being like uh, Russian agents. She, 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 sent to Buzzfeed, uh, the other day, like this list of like more than 200 names includes, uh, Twitter pal uh, Adam Johnson, he's (laughs) on the list. Bernie Sanders is a Russian agent, so is Sean Hannity. Like, just the most
0: disparate kind of people ever. It's great. Do you agree with me that it's key that the, the, they don't want him turning the economy back on? They don't want him making small businesses important again. They don't want him speaking up against political correctness. They don't want him cutting all this funding for all these brainwashing groups over our kids and cutting the UN funding by half. I mean, he's making real dents in the globalist program and bringing power back to America. Does that mean then his execution of power is perfect? Absolutely not, and, and, and that's the issue. But at least we're seeing... The death of globalism and the return of nationalism. What do you say to that? He's like the ghost of Christmas, you know, present or something. And again, he's not flip-flopping on these deals. The economy's changed. Things have changed. The dollar went up. He also went into negotiations hard, then gets a bunch of what we want. It's it's all business.
3: Alex, what conspiracy theories do you believe in? Oh,
2: what was um. <laughs> I mean, Because I think
3: there's something going on with Bruce Lee's death that's never been fully explained, I gotta tell you.
2: <laughs> right, I guess the closest I ever came to fully believing in conspiracy theory that I didn't give up into late in life was JFK. I think that's, I think it's a gateway drug for a lot of people. Sure, the whole but of now of
3: course you know that Oswald acted alone. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, it's less. Because I think a lot of it is like people, think there's this kind of romanticism with the New World Order. Kind of conspiracy theory, like instead of just these elites where it's kind of obvious that they're kind of, you know, people are getting together and you have these sort of like global confluence of power that kind of arise and you can sort of interpret that. I think I think these sort of lizard people conspiracies, I think they almost add a kind of simpler, more like almost more
3: romantic. I guess it's kind of it's, intrigue. Yeah, it's banal to think that you know basically there are six corporations that run everything and i think
1: i think too like there's actually even though oftentimes there are people that get invested in the stuff emotionally it actually drives them crazy like with that said i think there's actually something very comforting about how reductive that way of thinking about Mm -hmm. the world is right because if um all the problems in the world are actually caused by you know, uh, just a few people that Mm. exist in a single coherent organization that have a coherent ideology, you know, it's like, um, it's just like a snake and you just cut the head off. But in reality, that's not how injustice works, right? Mm -hmm. The, The reason it's so hard to have social progress and political progress, the reason it's so hard to eradicate injustice is because it's so diffuse and it's like, it's, it's channeled by individuals, but it's embedded in structures as well um and the structure and structures are very like plural things like there's not like just one thing that you can go and change and 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 c- like conspiracy theory theory tends to like flip that on its head so a- actually there's just one problem and it seems to me like and all the big conspiracy theories that i know like they all do have the same kind of structure right it's the illuminati or it's the bilderberg group or it's the new world order yeah it's the you know uh, protocols of the elders of zion or whatever it's always just one thing like it's this monolithic evil that you can just confront and uh, that's why you know a lot of people that do this stuff think that all they have to do is just get the truth out there they mm-hmm. just have to tell people and then people will rise up and get rid of the things and that yeah. ultimately is like a very uh, is a very like conservative and, and uh, reductive way of thinking. Well,
3: it's like I've said forever: is breaking up the banks going to defeat sexism? No. <laughs> <laughs> is breaking up the banks going to defeat racism? No. It's well, it's a structural problem. And I think will will is our will is
2: our wokest uh, <laughs> co host. But yeah, it is <laughs> it is these, these deep seated structures. Like I mean, actually, the first modern conspiracy theory text actually dates just after the uh, French Revolution. Um, and what's it's a, that? It's called uh, "Memoirs Illustrating the History of Jacobinism," written by a, a conservative Catholic priest, basically accusing Freemasons and secret societies of plotting to kill of, a of king. creating Jacobin yeah. magazine. Yeah, yeah, creating <laughs> Jacobin yeah. magazine, but yeah, Ascar, we see you. <laughs> and I mean, you know, and this dates from like the late 18th century, just after the French Revolution. And I think that really kind of is one of the first texts that solidified this whole idea. Of there being this sort of Freemasonry conspiracy, and it sort of really is born in this kind of conservative reaction hmm. towards, you know, uh, a kind of revolutionary French Republicanism, yeah, yeah. and then things like that, yeah, exactly.
1: So, um, I mean, with the with the clips, uh, you know, we're going to be subjecting people to a lot of Alex Jones, so we might want to wrap it up. Um, we've talked about doing uh, Canada spectacular. To celebrate uh, 150 years of our glorious country, and
3: when I and think of Canada, I think of
1: one man. <laughs> Do you know who that man is? Uh, well, I don't know. Is it is it Strombo? Is
3: it Rick Mercer? Uh, it's Ed the Sock. Ed no, the Sock, it's, yeah. uh, uh, it's Mr. Robert Ford. So. <laughs> Well, so so we're hoping to do kind of a, a mega
1: episode for the Canada 150 and perhaps maybe introduce some of our Amer- American listeners who let's be honest that's like 95 percent of our listeners um, no one in Toronto cares about this except
3: 12:36 they like us but um uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna we've got a, some Rob Ford content. I think I'm really excited. Yeah, we're for, itching to do oh that. I
2: was actually. Yeah. yeah, you like him, right, Will? Uh, you know, big.
3: he's one of us. He's cutting taxes up in heaven right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Will and I butted heads for five years because he was a staunch Ford Nationite, and I was a and I was like a fastidious liberal critic.
3: I mean, listen, I, I a guy like me, I live in Rexdale. I just go to work <laughs> at the factory every day. I come home. What do I get for my tax dollars? Not a lot. What I, what I love about your, like, Four
1: Nation supporter impressions is that they're just, like, idiot downtown caricatures of what a
3: Four Nation person is. More on that next week. Do I look like the kind of guy who would talk to, you know, anyone below my social class? Will's, Will's become a real prima donna since we
1: started the show. Since, like, fans approach him in the street being like... Uh, oh, you're Will from Michael and Us. Um, a big thanks to uh, Alex for joining us and yeah, uh, for allowing you. us to tap
2: his well of knowledge
1: on conspiracy theories.
2: Uh, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, and I just want to emphasize because I feel, feel like people will be confused. I don't believe in any
3: conspiracy theories. <laughs> I just take an in academic interest. Just worry <laughs> our that... listeners do understand irony, <laughs> okay, or okay, at least okay. I hope okay. they do. Yeah, I believe in all the conspiracy theories, <laughs> especially chemtrails. I'm actually a little bit disappointed that President Trump hasn't done anything about that yet. Now watch this drive.
0: You'll never, never defeat the human spirit. You'll never defeat God. You'll never win. Never. Never, ever. Never. And this is where we get tested. So rejoice to God Almighty for this animated contest of liberty.